Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, the podcast is brought to you with Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Give us a mention and claim your discount. Dan, Michael and Moscow White here with you on the weekly show. A quick reminder that if you want to support us and get the full TSB package, get TSB Plus, which is early access to the match ball, ad-free podcasts, you get the extra ball, daily email, discounts on merch, all at the squareball.net forward slash plus. Have a look at that. Part one of the show is the Leeds United news, and we will have a look at the stuff that has been happening in Leeds United land across the last seven days. And we don't have a great deal more to follow up on the football, do we? Like the Arsenal-Wolves side of things, tied all that up in the in the match ball, and then on uh, propaganda. Injuries seem to be the main takeaway at the minute, although we are getting back towards a situation like we, Phillips is back after his layoff, and hopefully Rafinha should I'm be looking back in. superb. Yes, uh, Rafinha yeah, should we, be back in for Norwich, shouldn't he? Kind of didn't mention Calvin Phillips, did we, in the... Uh... The Arsenal stuff, but he was he was pretty rubbish, mm-hmm. admittedly by Calvin Phillips standards, and, it, and at least he does play in midfield, which is nice. For sure, was better. And we've heard from Robin Cock as well, another midfielder. Yes, indeed, we've got loads. Our deep lying pro- problems all solved. He's had that surgery in Philadelphia. Did you notice him limping very slightly as he went up the steps? Was that worrying for you in the well, little video that he posted? He's just had an operation on his hip, so of mm. course he'll have it all leaving with a. A slightly odd walk. I think he's uh, he put this little video production together, I'm sure, so that he could emphasise that the surgery was to correct problems with his hip. Right. Because he's fed up of every week. Marcelo Bielsa banging on about his pubis. It's like, hip, my hip problem. Yeah, well, we did... The uh, pubis we, is fine. We went, Nobody needs to talk about pubis. Well, let's go, to Doctor, let's go across to Dr. Normanson here, who, who shared with us his expertise in the last couple of weeks of uh, of the whole pubis hip mm-hmm. is it a region it, yes it's a region yes yeah and are the two connected yes correct how with by bone okay a bone bone connection is what's going on there what connects bones other bones bone it's all one bones bone. connect bones yep yes sometimes yes if, if it's if it's one bone then Can't, it becomes a bone should they just grind against each other <laughs> to make bread <laughs> um, this is what giants do well it's listen it, something in between i'm, I'm more on the um, I'm more on the physiotherapy side of things to, to know about the, the internal structures of the bones. Anatomy hasn't been part of your medical training. Not not entirely, no. So there, admittedly, there are some <laughs> some parts of some the body. parts of it. One or two areas you're not quite. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, there's some bones that are joined together, um, and and is there all right as rain now because um, <laughs> the Philadelphia um, people helped. Are they bone experts? Yeah. Good. They're good. They they know the bones and the soft cheese mm. and the uh, cheese steak. So he's all good. Rafinha should be back for Norwich, as we were saying then a minute ago. Do we know what's wrong with him, Michael? Ankle. Yep. We saw that, didn't we? So the ankle, Achilles heel area. Mm-hmm. Again, they're linked. Good. Don't know if you know. <laughs> Do now. Now sharing your expertise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, no, that's good. Um, it would be good to have them all back because I feel like we need our best players, don't you? Yes, we do need Rafinha. Maybe not against Norwich, but we do need him, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Even Shackleton managed to get on the injury bus and avoid Arsenal, didn't he? Which, no, I don't think anybody had a, a hint after the Wolves game that there was anything wrong with little Jamie and then suddenly he's he's not there and he's off on some sort of treatment table. And uh, and you, um, you'll be talking to Phil Hay for that um, Less Good podcast soon. And he's dropped in on one of his uh, athletic Q&As that Jackie Harrison's been playing with a rib injury. So if Phil Hay won't spill the tea on the full details about that, give him a rib injury and see how he likes it. I mean, I he is dialing in via Zoom, so that will be difficult. 
well, the threat may be enough. Okay. Um, but it would be interesting to know where uh, Harrison's at with that and see if that kind of feeds well, into him. Well, Junior Furpo's right. out as well. Because he's mm. the new shiny toy, you forget, don't you, that he's, he's, cause he's been, we don't see much of him, so he's been injured. But well, there's a whole lot of them, and then Bamford as well. Yeah, is, speaking of Jamie's. Is, uh, yeah, Jamie Bamford was... Um, Visiting the Leeds University Nexus Business Centre. So that's, he's keeping himself busy. Why isn't he concentrating on getting fit? He's retraining. Cetera, cetera. Retraining now his career's over. That's what it is. He's learning new skills, isn't he? But he's certainly somebody we could uh, use back. And the you know we were talking about Daniel James on the, the propaganda podcast, not really being up to speed if we could get back to it being. Jackie at his best. Rafinha on the other side with uh, James and uh, Jimmy as the the fallback options, the, the substitutes to change it. With Bamford in between, we start to look more like a football team then. And Jimmy Somerville. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, to clear up any um, misunderstanding, someone on Twitter did think it was in some way related to Savile. No. It is not. It is related to Jimmy Somerville, who did some very fine pop songs. Yeah, um, lead singer of the Communards in the 1980s, among other things that he did. Not related to Savile. Very different. Best avoided. Andrea Ratrazzani. This one's resurfaced. It's is it Palermo who um, who play in pink? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's been rumored to buy them, isn't he? We, we talked about it before how cool their kits are. Yeah, we've been down the Palermo route, and then he had the uh, Salernitana um, interest over summer because they are owned by the same person who owns Lazio, and Salernitana got promoted, and he couldn't own them both in Syria, and the options were put um, one of the clubs into a, a blind trust, so he can have nothing to do with them or sell to Radrizzani, and he went for the blind trust option. Is right. that like when Cellino was having nothing to do with Leeds United? Yeah, it seemed, but it seems like a sanctioned get-around. It's like, we'll give you can do this if you like. So you could probably buy all the Serie A clubs and put them into 20 different trusts and go like, no, nothing to do with me, just the one that I like. But uh, yeah, so his, um, uh, his pal, whose name is uh, Sandro Menchucci, who popped up on our board around the time of the last 49ers, investment when um what's his face fred uh, fred fred lowey his name isn't fred is it <laughs> shane lowry old, uh, old old fred lowey came on the board you're thinking of his dad frank um, maybe that's why you got yeah and he's peter isn't he he is yeah. i was waiting to see how long it'd take you to get peter there. lowey this bodes well because i've just put together i've just thrown together a little um palomo quiz for you mm. just oh, okay. an, an impromptu it's just three questions there's no prize just you can bask in the glory of if if you get it for the news bit. We don't know whether he's buying them or not. And I mean, he, he was linked last year basically because Radrizzani is friends with their owner, and now because Menchucci is kind of business pal who is on our board has had a meeting with him. It seems pretty clear that Andrea Radrizzani would like to buy an Italian club as well. But whether it's going to be Palermo or not, but at least the kits are cool. So if it is Palermo, we're pretty happy with that. Can go and get some uh, trendy old school. Palermo kits and walk around town like a wanker. Let me do my quiz for you then. Mm-hmm. So, as you will know, question number one, as you will know, St. Rosalita, the patron saint of Palermo, yeah? Mm-hmm. You knew that. Also known as the the the, 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 the sacred lady of the... Probably. The, the little saint is the one that was... The I little was saint, thinking, oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, but St. Rosalita... Oh, that wasn't a question? No, no. Oh, okay. That was just a, just a little, you know, a little uh, appetizer to get you ready for the big quiz that's coming now. Associated with... Um, Saint Rosalita associated with what uh, medieval clusterfuck? The, the plague? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, my, my clue was going to be stuff. What is going wrong at the minute? We'll give you a little hint. Um, okay. Yeah, but yeah, the plague. Well done. Did you get that one, Moscow? She was also one of the puppets on Rosie and Jim. Correct. Right. Um, for question number two. You can choose one of two categories here. There are two questions within this one. As you know, Palermo play at Stadio. Uh, is it Renzo? I can't read my own writing. Denzo. One of them. <laughs> Barbara. Benzo. Yeah. Um, Named after Dirty Dan. Yeah. Uh, it's known as La Favorita mm-hmm. locally. Do you want travel or entertainment for your question about this stadium? Entertainment. Want entertainment? It's fine, yeah. I'll take entertainment, then you can ask him travel. All right. Okay. Uh, which group played a concert there in May 1987? Which 80s group, to give you a little clue? Were they an Italian group or a worldwide? Worldwide. Worldwide yeah. group. I mean, some Italian groups of worldwide fame. 87, group, Europe. No. Okay. Are you have another thing? I'll let you have another go in a minute. Travel for you. I was going to say you too. No. No. You, you're both wrong. Um, so good they named them twice. That's what I'll say. That's your, that's your clue. The, the. No. 
Boutros, Boutros, Garvey. No. It's Duran Duran, you idiots. Right, the other one, right, um, which bus route serves the stadium? Three three digits. Uh, it's the 126. Nearly. Which you can get on in Wakefield, and they'll take you right there. <laughs> Any closer? It's, yeah, you've gone slightly high there, but um, you're close. 125. No. You are closer, though, so you do get the point. Uh, it's actually bus route 101. And finally, uh, you'll be aware of the very famous botanical gardens in um, mm-hmm. in Palermo. Um, can you name three features of the botanical gardens in the, Palermo? The flowers, shrubs, the trees, and the bushes. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you get fountains as well, don't you? You do. Um, there are fountains there. Yeah, there's the aquarium and other water features. Mm-hmm. Uh, the aquarium, as Wikipedia tells me, is a large round pool divided into 24 sections. <laughs> can you just give the wiki definition out of an aquarium then? It's a, it's a pool with fish in <laughs> <laughs> and they have greenhouses. They've got trees, among other things. Some sugar cane there. Wow. Exciting, isn't it? A herbarium, which is where they keep the herbares, and a gene bank for flowers and shit. Oh right, okay, that's it. There's a big mountain in Norway, isn't there? That's full of seeds for mm. um, like storing. Is it? No, it's at Svalbard, isn't it? Which is a Norwegian territory, which is off the coast up towards uh, okay. like the, the north, uh, uh, the North Pole. Very cold, which is why it's good for storing seeds. It's like a big fridge. They haven't got that though. They've just got a few. Things kept to one side. Well, no, we do. We do have um, some Norwegian listeners. So tell us about Svalbard. I wish I knew more. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> on to murals. This is uh, obviously no quiz about this. Who be... are the three men? It's <laughs> a pier. Well, I, I know. I know the answer because there's a picture here. I well, I went into um, into Costa in Geisley the other week, uh, where this mural is located. And I just bought a tie to go in my suit for the wedding and I'd gone for the yellow tie and stuff. And the lady was remarking, I went, oh yeah, I've gone for Leeds colours. And she very enthusiastically told me about this mural. So I think it's definitely made a, an impression in Geisley anyway. It's on the side of the Yorkshire Rose pub, isn't it? Mm. To give them a bit of um, praise instead of Costa, who maybe don't need the, the plug as much. So you can drink beer in Geisley in the Yorkshire Rose while contemplating Yorkshire and roses and the excellent mural. Uh-huh. It features uh, Reeve, Wilkinson and Bielsa in slightly different shades of white, yellow and blue, which, as you may or may not be aware, are the colours of Leeds United Football Club. So well, well done there to Phil Harris, who uh, got those colours right. He's done a very good job of painting the trophy as well, because that looks like a complicated thing to... Like, if I was going to draw a picture of the Championship trophy now, it would be nowhere near as good as that. And he's done it on a wall, which I think is a level of difficulty... Far and away and above. It is a very swirly, complicated trophy. Um, yeah, it's got, is, is that a dancing lady on top as well? Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, Said with no confidence. It's, I think was it John Newsom who dropped the uh, the top of the trophy when um, they were passing it along the the balcony of the art gallery in town after we'd won it, and it bounced on the ledge and just stayed the right side. I think maybe. Chris Fairclough catches it. Well, somebody wearing it as a hat, because that always feels no, like no, something no, happens. It's, 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 I mean, it's Ill, ill-fitting. Yeah. So it, it does have to be, it does have to be said. And I, know, I know that trophy has been tainted by Sean Harvey and the EFL, but it's a far better trophy than the Premier League trophy, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, you know, it's got a much longer history than um, Sean Harvey. It will, will be remembered long after he's long gone. Um, and it was around long before he darkened anybody's doors so don't go associating that trophy with uh, the likes of him it's much better on the side of the Yorkshire Rose pub in Guysley and um, uh, we're supposed to mention West Yorkshire Electrical for funding it as well so that um, sounds like we've got some contractual obligation (laughs) which we haven't but they do deserve credit I just felt bad when Dan said, "Oh, it's in, it's next to Costa." I'm like, "Well, mm. it's there not are some local businesses involved as well." Um, but obviously, shout outs to the people who have made it. So that the artist is Phil Harris, and the trust are the big people him up who have the, made it, and the trust have got involved and made it happen. And West Yorkshire Electrical helped fund it, and the Yorkshire Rose Pub. I mean, basically, just had to have a wall, didn't they? So I don't know if they actually did. Much. Well, have you got a wall? Let's see your walls. <laughs> oh, have you got four? Ooh, fancy. Get your walls out, that's what I'm saying. Right, um, have you seen the Papa John's trophy? I've just had to Google it now. Um, I've not. Because I, I didn't know what it looked like. I'm very disappointed that it no, in no way resembles a pizza or a pizza box. Because it should, shouldn't it? And what I, does it look like? Just a trophy. Just trophy-ish. Just they've it, gone to the local engravers. It, it looks like it's a, it's a vase on a, on a pedestal. It's a three-stepped pedestal. It's got, like, I don't think it, presume it's a wooden base or whatever, then two metal circles, almost a, a bit like a wedding cake or a volcano. And then... It just tapers out from there. It looks fine. 
well, let's win it, and then we can look at it all the time. Yeah. You and him can go down to uh, Angus Kinney's office and have your photo taken for kissing it. <laughs> well, Eddie and the kids are going to sort that out, aren't they? Um, anyway, it's under 23s. Have they been getting on? We've been, right. we've been pinching them all. That's the I was going to say, we are kind of weakening them at the moment because we can't always play them because we need some of them for the first team, mm. which is both good and bad because everyone everyone really enjoyed having a, a dead successful under 23s. Bielsa isn't always uh, as respectful of that as other managers might be, though, given, you know, Somerville played against Brighton on Friday night and then was back on the pitch on Saturday afternoon. And I'm sure, I don't know how many other, well, I don't, you know, check the team sheets of other under 23 teams. And what about United? Um, and see who's got through to the, the first team. But I don't know how many are, are playing, making them play two games in two days. But yeah, the the Archie Gray came on in this one. Who was you know, is on the is is he still fifteen? He's very young. He's but a boy anyway. And uh, I don't think Joe Snowden, who scored with a good goal from the edge of the box, he's not very old. Max Dean, um, who played up front, is also very young. But he's been playing above his age group for a long time, and is really entertainingly angry all the time. It cannot be overstated. What a leap that is to be playing in the under twenty threes at like twelve or however old he is. Archie I Gray. Think he's, he's still he's very, very. What is it? I mean, what is he? Genius? If he's, I think if he's, Archie Gray is fifteen. Whether he's fifteen or sixteen, yeah. it's still like you know, it's a seven and, uh, seven years under the age group. Imagine that at school, like in the, under, playing in the under twelves when you were five. Well, there was also a, Brighton had. Um, <laughs> I can't remember his name now, but Brighton had a thirty-five year old playing in midfield yeah. who uh, ended up kind of going off. He was a player, after player coach, hour. wasn't he, or something? So, yeah, yeah, something like that. Which and, feels like uh, cheating. And I remember going to watch the under-23s away to Huddersfield, and who was it? It was Dean... Whitehead? Dean Whitehead was playing for Huddersfield under-23s, who um, I think he did, hasn't been under-23 in this century. But then it is different from... Because uh, I was thinking about this with... Um, obviously now Joffy's making his uh, his mark on the, the first team. There's a lot of people going, oh, just play him, just start him. But the, there aren't enough of the kind of Dean Whitehead 30-year-olds in the under-23s. Are you saying we need more old men? Well, it used to be, because he had the uh, comparable impact would be to Alan Smith when he came on against Liverpool and scored with his second touch and then sort of basically started coming off the bench in every game and then played 15 games by the end of the season. And that's not beyond Gellhart, but Smith had the advantage of having a season in the reserves where you were playing proper reserve team. It was Premier League players of any age and you would go up against them and get battered about and, and it would stand you in good stead. Whereas the jump from the under-23s is much bigger than there's, I think There's no central the league day. anymore, is there? No? no, so there's not that middle ground where you can get you can learn against playing against uh, Grant. So you sort of like the way Cody Drama mm. started the game where he's a bit in shock and it takes a while to get into it. So it's I think it's going to be a that romantic idea of he's another Smithy and he can just go straight in the team. We've seen him... Like when he played against Arsenal last night, he's not got that impact yet, and I think it's it's less to do with him or his abilities. It's more the the step up. Um, well, it's happening, so it's happening in the first team, isn't it? Rather than behind closed doors. Yeah, so you don't get to uh, you don't you just get thrown in, and it's um, it needs to be carefully managed. But um, hey, speaking of the Arsenal, we're playing at Ellen Road, aren't we? On Friday, this kind of passed me by a little bit, but they've sold a lot of tickets for this for the twenty threes uh, um, in the ground. It's good. I like I like the interest in the twenty threes. I like the fact that this kind of uh, this growth is happening across all the age groups. It's good. It is nice that people are interested, and it gives it's a way for people to watch a Leeds United side, isn't it? Because and it's it's a way for the twenty threes to get used to playing in front of crowds. Mm. Yeah, because we've we've come to a season now where it's actually very difficult and also pretty expensive to go. But if you've got kids or whatever, and you can go, well, it's Ellen Road, it's Leeds United, it's almost there. It's half it'll, term. It'll, well. it'll be more fun than watching us in League One, probably. Actually, no, League One was all right. Imagine like fourth year in the championship. It'll be more fun than that. It'll be interesting when they they get around to building whatever new training facilities do come, whether there could be um, a second stadium involved the way that uh, Manchester City have their little academy and women's stadium next to the the big one. At the moment, it's quite nice that the women are at Tadcaster, so Tadcaster get the rent and the crowds and uh, I think the 23 are playing quite often at York and people are going to those games, but it's something about it's weird. All those people who are going to the who sold out the West End could go and watch the under twenty threes play in York, but something about them playing at Elland Road just attracts people more. And it's the same when 
the women's have a, a game at Elland Road as well. You get a much bigger crowd. You get 1,000 people or 200 might go to Tadcaster. So it's kind of, you need that association for some reason there. It's just the magnetic pull of it, it isn't just it? Makes yeah. it? It makes it feel more like a Leeds game, doesn't it? It's the, it's yeah. the thing, having it there. I wonder, and I suppose, would they then get the crowds if we had a dedicated under-23s and women's stadium? Or would it be the same thing where it's like, ah, it's not Island Road and it's still, even though it's next door? Inter- I don't know. It's interesting to think about. But it, also, it would give us another, um, another like, stadium to fake design. <laughs> Speaking of the women, they got through to the first round of the FA Cup. Now, because they're in the sort of regional uh, mix at the minute, they need to get promoted up into the more national arena, which is the next level up. If you haven't yet watched it, by the way, or listened to it, Olivia Smart from the LUFC women's team we did an extra ball with her for subscribers really good really informative gives you a little window into um where the women are in the, in the grand scheme of things tadcaster yes and the but they're playing a lot of stuff it's sort of regional northeast almost isn't it so a lot of their games are against um teams from towns close by like durham sestria is one of them and just looking at some of the names in these fixtures you can see what they've been subjected to at that level four nil at red car at the weekend which has rewarded them they won with- to emphasise, yeah, yeah. subjected to a 4-0 win. But subjected to Redcar. Mm. Uh, and then having to go to Hartlepool. That's that's the reward for going to Redcar. I've never been to Redcar, is it? It's, it's, got, it's, it's it, got a beach. It's Middlesbrough mm. on sea, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Pretty much. And Seton Carew is the um, the Hartlepool equivalent there, isn't it? Where you can see the, I don't know where they are, some oil drilling things or something or other at the, from the beach. There yeah. is actually some really nice coastline up that part of the world. Mm. I'm just not sure that's it. A bit further up. <laughs> Keep going up. Keep going up. Yeah, people will quite often they'll, they'll show you photographs of like beaches around Chernobyl in the 80s and stuff. And if you've been to Red Car, you've seen all that. Chernobyl famously on the coast. <laughs> it was a big fallout zone. <laughs> it did have a big river, so it may have had some beaches on the on the river. But that was long ago. Part two of the show brings us a preview of the game that's coming up at the weekend. As it says on our sheet, whoever typed this, Norwich. No R in that. So that's a good start, isn't it? It's near enough. Yeah. It's near enough. You know we're playing. We don't need to show them any respect like spelling their name correctly. We just need to win 8-0. I hope we do win because it's weird, isn't it? I was saying this to people like off air over the weekend. It's mental that Norwich getting pumped 7-0 at Chelsea. And I fully expected them to get pumped at Chelsea because they're not a good team and Chelsea are, sadly, that in some way cranked the pressure up on Leeds for this forthcoming game. Well, there'll be a reaction, won't there? That's what but the, yeah. the thing is, Norwich can't react because they're rubbish. So no matter what they they come up with, no. But on the other side of this, your, your bravado, which people will take seriously, Moscow, by the way. Well, I'm serious because we're going to smash them because they're crap. Okay. Is the fact that... Uh, Never in the history of football has there been something more definite to happen than a Norwich victory this weekend because they are without victory. Yep, staying that way. And we're terrified. No, I'm I'm, no, I'm not. I mean, they are without Premier I'm not, League victory I'm not worried about it for a way. really, really, really long time. The last mm. time they won in the Premier League, coronavirus wasn't around. Right. Think of it that way. And that feels like forever ago, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they beat Leicester City, would you believe, on the 28th of Feb 2020. And... Since then, they came back after the pandemic, lost every game, and went down. Then they won the championship really easily. Mm. They got loads of points. 97 points. Was it 97? Wow. And then they've come up on a terrible again. I don't know. They're a strange team for doing this. Who wrote the article this week saying that they exist essentially in a, in a, in a bizarre no-man's land that is getting increasingly fostered by the current financial climate in football? in that they are too good for the championship, not good enough for the Premier League, and just sort of bob about between them. But then, is, is that true? We exist, and Brentford exist, and Sheffield United even existed for a year, even Huddersfield for a year. It is possible to come up and stay up. And it's a shame on Norwich, in fact, for if they end up, well, they will go down, obviously, but if Brighton survive, and I only, uh, we were looking at it because, you were doing yeah. this last night, weren't you? Yeah, doing the maths cheerful, on it, yeah. cheerful as we are about um, Leeds United staying up very easily. I was checking to see how many games we need to win to stay up. And I noticed as I was looking at this, five should be fine because more than five seems to be the cutoff. If you've, <laughs> if you've only won five, you're going down. Um, if you've won more than five, you seem to be okay. And we can win five games, that's fine. That's, that's not very many points. Just to make that clear. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? But you could, there's draws get involved mm. as well. So it's all that. But just for wins, that's all I was looking at. Brighton, 
every season since they came up to the Premier League, and I think it's been five years, they've won nine games each season. And how how can that be? How can they be allowed to get away with that? If you're a, if you're a Bright- it's an outrage. Well, if you're a Brighton yeah. fan and you're buying a season ticket for 38... 19. 19 games, and you know you're not going to win 10 of them. Well, in fact, it's home and away, isn't it? So if, if you... They're let's still say, doing that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say you go to every match and you know you're only going to see nine wins at a maximum. It's a rip-off. It's basically a quarter of all games, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, they're either a draw or a defeat. It's pointless. Mm. You can't... And for it to be exact as well, I would start contacting Brighton and say, right, I only charge me. I only want tickets for the games we're going to win. <laughs> Not interesting as well. Give me a nine-match season ticket and just make sure... Those are the games that we win because I'm not interested in the other ones. But that, that's the kind that's, of team. That's how it works. When we're yeah. talking about that hinterland of too good for the championship, not good enough for the Premier League. You've also got these teams like Brighton who just, what's the point in just winning nine games every year and finishing but 16? That's going to be us this season at best, isn't it? For me, the player who sums it up is Grant Hanley in that not good enough for the championship, not, not good enough for the Premier League. Quiz for you, how old is Grant Hanley? He's 39. I was going to say 38, he sounds like. This is going to blow your mind. He's 29 years old. <laughs> I just don't see how that's possible. It's a typo. It's 39. It seems, I mean, he is, he's from Dumfries. He's, he's six foot two. All this seems, all this seems to add up. to check his passport. Timo Pukki's a very old man though, isn't he? Mm, he he's yeah. a canny old man. I think he's about 36 now. Is he? Yeah. That can't be right. He started late. Well, look it up. You've got your, <laughs> you've got your computer open, haven't you? He, I mean, he's, he's got to be younger than Grant Hanley still though. That's the thing. He's only 31. Really? Yeah. 36. Where did that come from? All right, give me the average age of uh, Norwich's starting lineup against uh, Chelsea. Or just the age of all of them. How um, old's Tim Krul? Tim, I mean, Tim Krul. He, He's he, a 45 year old man. He's only 33. What's Norwich doing to these people that's making them seem all much older than they, than they actually are? I suppose that's the crushing, constant defeat, isn't it? And the difference, you said before that that's what we're going to do this season. It might be what we do this season. We might only win nine games and finish 16th, whatever. But at least last season we did better. And next season we'll be qualifying for Europe. It, so, do, it genuinely does feel, from our perspective, that we just need to get this season out of the way now, don't we, and stabilise. That, that that feels like the only thing yeah. we can do, which is which is bollocks. I mean, that this whole subset of clubs who just want to exist in the Premier League, we've become one of them and it's not much fun. We, it's, we just need to... It's foundations, isn't it? And it's establishing ourselves and then being ready, able then to go to the next stage. And it's what has now... Everybody dismisses it as bollocks with the big spending last summer for two seasons because it's a smarter way of thinking, recognising that we couldn't just buy a team for last season and stay up because the next season is just as important as the first season in the Premier League. It's like pre-combating second season syndrome. And what we may be seeing now is that that's wise because the second season is proving to be much more difficult than it was. And hopefully... Once they're fit, having the resources of somebody like Robin Cock, if he sorts his pubis out, Diego Llorente now, he's coming back to fitness. Who else did we sign last summer? Rafinha, for example. He's a good one to have for two seasons and no more. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, there's obviously the obvious lack of a midfielder that, that distresses people. Um, but that as a plan, it would be more worrying to me now if you'd never heard any kind of consciousness that the second season was important from the club whereas from the moment we got promoted they've been saying we're planning to sort the first two seasons out and then we can push on so which is better than I mean funny isn't it know, how we, we always, we always well yeah we always land on, on what you might call big picture things don't we when we come to like looking at us in I guess in the face of adversity a little bit at the minute but if we go there and win which is what I said on the match ball last night if we go to Norwich and win on Sunday, which is, let's face it, it's expected, then everything will be fine again. Well, it's two wins of the six we need, then we'll have. <laughs> yeah, well, this is true. In the second season thing, just because we kind of touched on it, just looking at, like, we're not doing as badly, for example, as Sheffield United did. Mm-hmm. Like this, at this point last season, it was like, oh, okay, they're probably going down. Norwich, you look at, I know it's, not, it's, it's their second season at being in the Premier League and stinking the place out, but they're off. They're, you are, you look at them and kind of think, well, they're mm-hmm. probably down Huddersfield, it was it was eleven games in when they won in the, the yeah. season they went down. So, we, relative to that, it's kind of all right, but it's not great. But it's it's, it's still a, well, it's fine, fine as long as we we beat Norwich because 
it's a little bit worrying if we don't. And we were we were talking again after things last night and how it's difficult to see us playing much better than we do at the moment. But I was reminding us that last season we were very inconsistent all through the season. We'd never we only once before April managed to avoid defeat in three consecutive games. It was always win, lose a couple, win, lose a couple, win and draw, lose a couple. And then suddenly we went on that run of winning eight or nine in a row that before it happened, I don't think anybody saw it coming. We thought it was going to go through to the end of the season of win a couple, lose one, lose a couple, win one, and it would be that. So something changed at that point that we never saw coming and that can happen again. It can just change and you suddenly, it's one of the mysteries. Nobody's solved form as a mystery in football. It's still the one thing that you can get away with just going, it's just out of form. And then all the weird theories come out of like why that might be, but it's just, it seems to be this intangible thing where you can't really say, oh, this thing specifically has happened to match his click and now he's out of form. You've got It'll to be, be, he's you've got to be tired come back again. or the manager's lost the dressing room. They're, exactly. the, they're the two most common. Or there's been a bust up or, you know, some kind of domestic problem and everyone will start inventing these things to fill this vacuum that uh, is created by the fact that nobody has ever been able to explain why a footballer goes in and out of form. And when you listen to footballers talk about how they play themselves out of it, they just go, well, he's go back to basics and keep plugging away and then it changes. There's not, there's not a, a magic bullet. It happens and it will happen to us and we'll beat Norwich. I was going to ask, is this a six pointer? Not. Mm. I mean, no, <laughs> because it won't it's, keep it's them too early. It feels too early in the season to be a six pointer. Right. Is it anyway. a six pointer for us? No, let's well, just win. I know, it has, I know it has to be for both teams, but look, they're, they it's are a three gonna, pointer for us. They are, they are going to go down. I do agree, based on all the evidence that we have available to us, historic and this season. You have to say that, and I'm, and I'm also, sure their fans would agree. The way they played against Chelsea was absolutely diabolical as well. The goals they were conceding, they're just. When we, we were talking about on propaganda after the Arsenal game, that the goals we're conceding are coming from stupid mistakes. The goals Norwich were conceding to Chelsea were coming because they're fucking rubbish. <laughs> Just they, they'd attack, they'd, not, they'd run out of ideas. There was one point a Chelsea player just ran and took the ball off the toe of a Norwich player and passed and they're having a shot with the other end. That never happens to us. And yeah, the, all they'd have to do is, like, is one pass from... Chelsea's penalty area and they pass it into Norwich's end and score and it's just awful. Are you so, not are you not worried about Norwich's strengths according to whoscored.com? Go ahead. Protecting the lead. Mm-hmm. Which How many how many leads have they had this well, season? Well, they've they've won two points this season, both of which two goals. both of which were nil-nil. Right. So <laughs> they've not protected a lead yet mm. this season. So it must be a strength from a cup. Have they played any cup <laughs> games? Have they, been, have they actually been in front of neither of those? What, no, they were nil-nil, sorry. They were nil-nil. Oh, right. So okay. no. Uh, so they've not led at any point this season. Um, oh, well, I, they lost to Leicester. But then if that's... But then they, they didn't protect that lead, did they? Unless unless they did protect it for a while and then just mm. shipped goals late. That's, <laughs> who knows how the... Internet charlatans is... I mean, going, going back a long way when we first introduced the Who Scored stats, this proves they are internet charlatans. No, they've refined the algorithm since then. The, uh, the weaknesses help us, though, because they are weak at defending against attacks down the wings and defending against through-ball attacks. That feels to me like all attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're awful. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you look at their team. Who are these people? I know the, oh, only, the only ones we know are the ones who are like 50 years old, but the rest of them, they've signed, haven't they signed 10 players? And they're all terrible. And that's one of the other reasons why they'll be going down. They've um, they've done a, a full Cholino with the Buendia money if they... Uh, and when he sold McCormack for 11 million and then a year later he did that press conference he said, I just realised last night the McCormack money. I spend it all on the garbage. <laughs> they've, hey, done, they've done that. I've so. got a quiz for you, another quiz for you here. Which one of the players here have I hosted, have I interviewed on stage and hosted a fireworks show <laughs> alongside? God, I can't think of any of them. Tim Crawl. No, nope. I'm... I'm going to say B. Williams because you think it's Chris Bart Williams. No, you're both wrong. Go ahead. Ben Gibson, who's the suspended centre-back. He got sent off at Chelsea, didn't he? He's Middlesbrough, isn't he? Yeah, so he was uh, he was Middlesbrough captain, came through the ranks there and went off to Norwich in the end. Um, they paid a fair whack for him, didn't they, actually? Did, um, did Norwich, but yeah, it was the it was when I was on simultaneously on Metro and TFM and TFM did a firework display 
um, at the Riverside Stadium a few years back. And oh, yeah. We had a chat on stage, which was nice. Was he interested? Did he have a lot of firework expertise? Yeah, he was a big fan of the Catherine Wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Rockets. Loved those. The Shoegaze fan. Yeah, that's what he was saying. Was uh, what we haven't heard from, of course, but I mean, we can give our assessment of uh, Norwich's team losing 7-0 at Chelsea, but what is um, Daniel Farker? Had to say, oh, how, about, how uh, is he? Is he upset? Is he happy? I can't tell. I need, I need to hear from him. Yeah, because he did say after the game about um, looking ahead to the the Leeds game. I think we've got the. <laughs> well, let me just cue the audio. Up we've one got second. the audio, haven't we? Uh, we we've there. gone to the trouble of getting the tape. We may as well play it. Yeah, there we go. Let me just um, find what he said. Oh yes. Why do you need to see it? Just so you can. So I can watch watch along, listen along. <laughs> oh, it's a character. <clears throat> Yes, it is not easy to say, shake such a result out of the clothes. It, it is always easier after three or four encouraging weeks on the training pitch and a couple of good, solid results to bring a, a good mood on the pitch. Concede seven is, is painful, but we are not trying to mess around with Chelsea in the Premier League. We, we need to be focused for the games against teams on our level. And there's just one topic now, and that is the next home game against Leeds. Thank you, Daniel. Shaking it out of his clothes. <laughs> There's still a little bit in my cowboy boots, <laughs> and I, it, it's like the sand is between my toes. Yeah, but it, it is a happy memory of some ways. <laughs> Great, thank you. This business on being focused against teams on our level. There's only one team on that level, and it's them at the minute, by the looks of it. Yeah, unless so, they're going to play Sheffield United from last season, which mm. seems which seems unfair. Maybe they should all get together. They could have like a three-way tournament: them, Sheffield United, and uh, Huddersfield. Like West Brom in as well, because they always do this. Just mm. put create a yo-yo division. Just just randomly draw one of them. They don't have to play games every other season. Are we going to win? Yes. Yeah. It's another one. I mean, if ever there is a fixture where you look at it and you go, "We've got to win this." Mm-hmm. Never mind. Should got to. And that's um, Watford. Now seems like a long time ago, but that's exactly how that played out. We had to win. It was winnable, and they were garbage. So happy days. We'll do and, it. And again. then Watford go and score five at Everton. Yeah, Everton messed that up. That's insane, they isn't the good, it? They took the good players off and they were 2 nil up and then took off uh, their good attackers. And Yerry Mina, Bat Bamford's bestie, was, um, I don't think he was in the game at all. I don't think he played. So their defence just fell apart. Somehow Watford got through. What I'm saying is Watford is still going down. Right. Um, but just as we beat them when we needed to and thought we, we would, we're going to do that to Norwich. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Heroes and villains, good and bad. Who are we going to pick this week? First, let's do the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award nominations then. And uh, we've had a load come back in from our TSB Plus subscribers who have sent us their, um, their feedback via the feedback form. A lot of wolves in this because this was uh, a lot of it was put together pre-Arsenal. Uh, it does feel like, given the antics we saw on the pitch at Ellen Road at the weekend, that we have a number of candidates here for being naughty. <laughs> for being naughty, um, yes, Jimenez and Saez. Yeah, uh, the the two mainly being um, 
singled out criticism. Jimenez for his um, his theatrics, it, it described by Ender as being exhausting to watch, which I think is fair enough because it was just like, oh, just not, yeah, not again. Please just stop this. There was absolutely no need for it. Um, did you see? I think it's Tim Spear who's the you know the athletic great bunch of lads, great bunch of lads. Uh, but Tim Spear is their Wolves uh, correspondent. But I think he's a Wolves fan. He's um, he's like fully invested in it. He doesn't have that sort of degree of separation that Phil does. But not like Phil who hates Leeds. Yeah, been uh, been a Hearts fan and all that. And he did tweet during the game that he was very much admiring the shit housing he described it as that Wolves were uh, indulging in. But he also pointed out that's what resulted in six minutes of injury time, which had the knock-on effect of allowing us to score an equaliser. So mm-hmm. it did feel like just desserts. Um, yeah, they brought it all on themselves. That point, so, yeah. And if they hadn't been doing it, we would have scored earlier. So it's all um, it all works out. In the end, Jack from, uh, well, Jack NZ, so I assume as in New Zealand does point out, was the kind of twat you end up getting sent off playing against believing everything in after the 20th dive is bought. And um, Urente was quite close to being that person who was <laughs> sprinting up the pitch to try and drag. Was it, it was him and Ezra, he started dragging to his feet, wasn't he? Or at least it was a, a Wolves player. And it was, I mean, him and is kind of taking the, uh, he's the representative of their general diving, Connor Cody going down because he'd headed a football as well. There's an honorary mention and several others. Saiz, I have a long-standing problem with Saiz for having Samu's name. Yeah, it's confusing, isn't it? Yeah, it always distracts me whenever I hear it in commentary. I'm always like, Samu's back. Oh, him. So I don't like him for that reason. And uh, and then, yeah, that was a really sneaky little t- little foul, wasn't it? Was, at least Pascal Strike made an honest uh, snap of the ankle. This was all just, oh, I bet I can just do that. If I distract him, no, no, it wasn't that deliberate. But it did seem... Uh, like he knew what he was doing. I don't think he did know what he was doing. I've got to be honest. Mm. I think he expected Rafinha to knock it down the line where he might try and tackle him. And as it was, he checked back inside and by that point he'd completely lost control of where his legs were and yeah. just ended up chopping There's him. There was no control. But that's, there was no control, but, was there? But whether it's deliberate or not, you still can't just keep people in the ankles when no. the ball is absolutely nowhere near that ankle. And it was a really good situation for us as well. It was uh, Rafinha sprinting onto what was a good... It was Tyler Roberts' span and played it down the line behind Saez as the fullback. So once Rafinha was past him, he was in. And he loves like veering in, so they weren't going to catch him and stop him scoring. So that would have been a goal. Just um, going back to Jimenez, I think the two are not related, but it's been exacerbated by his skull injury that he had, um, which was obviously horrible and all the rest of it. But everyone kind of think seems to think that it should carry with it a nobility, that he shouldn't fake injuries on his ankle or his leg because he suffered that. You know, we're talking about the boy who cried wolf, weren't we, on um, on the match ball, I think it was, mm. for uh, for Wolves. So that, that sort of fed the annoyance, doesn't it? He's been really badly injured once before. He shouldn't be pretending. Yeah, I mean, if he, yeah, the, the boy who cried wolf is the perfect description. If he'd, if everybody had ignored him when that happened with David Luiz, the consequences could have been terrible. And instead, you're dragging the, uh, the physios on and off the pitch all the time essentially for nothing I would be annoyed if I was a physio going out there and he's actually like no actually I'm fine I mean like Tom Lee and the Cheese uh, Boney M Johnny B Lorne uh, Ender Dom Dom Andy loads of them uh, Wisconsin Todd picking out the ref and VAR we didn't actually get too much into the ref uh, on the match ball I know we've kind of done shows in between time so I've almost forgotten what we said but we we talked about it off air afterwards because I didn't think up to a point the ref was too bad but then there were other areas where he was catastrophically bad. I think part of the issue with it is that the way part of being a good shithousing team as Wolves are is that they know the rules. They know and how to do just enough to get the, the so, foul. So yeah. you know, and you know that if you go down on the pitch, the ref will stop it. And if it's a head injury, he'll stop it immediately. So if if you can take advantage of those things, the ref mm-hmm. has no option. If the referee sees Connor Cody head that ball away and just goes get up, then probably afterwards the referee is dragged before some sort of panel who go. You can't just tell someone to get up when they've mm. when they've had a head injury. He plays for so Wolves. But Jimenez did his skull so, he, so he's he's in a difficult spot there. That doesn't mean I thought he did a good job because I thought he was generally speaking pretty. But then he did, he did police their bullshit quite well in that he he blow for the foul, which was annoying because they did just enough to to draw the foul, get the foul, get the free kick. But then he didn't stand for the the play acting, and I think what he did was was add the time on rather. It was, so it was kind of an it was an invisible punishment. It was kind of okay. Get up because there was an occasion. I can't remember which player it was or which fake injury it was, but he just um, didn't allow the physio on. Mm. So get up, get on with it. Yeah, and he he pulled him in as up at one point. He he dragged him up himself. So there was it was that, and I think um, 
one of the kind of the roundups of stuff that wasn't spotted that the papers do is um, Mike Dean saying to the Leeds bench, he's like, look, if it's a head injury, we don't have a choice. Like, yeah. we can't not stop it. And so Michael's right, the Wolves were playing that like an old uh, violin. They knew exactly what they were doing. But yeah, so his response to this was, stop the game, go over. Are you injured? No, right, get up. And I had this time on. And uh, and it, it kind of rebounded on us a little bit because then when Rafinha was injured, and we talked about this early on the other show, that he kind of, it was nobody spotted that he'd actually been caught. So he went over and he was like, just get up. And he kind of thought he was doing a Jimenez thing. And that's why Rafinha, I mean, it's kind of funny watching him hop off, screaming at him. It's like, uh, like when Berardi, um, the famous one where he had his... Uh, his cheek cut just below the eye and the referee is saying he doesn't think there's anything wrong with him. He, he walks off shouting at him. Well, how, Where how did the, this come from? Yeah, yeah, how the hell am I bleeding out my eyes if there's nothing wrong with me? So it was kind of good value for that. Overall, I thought, I didn't think the ref was too bad. I enjoyed, um, he but, contributed to the atmosphere at one point because we had that bit where he, he played advantage twice and because there were pretty meaty tackles, the crowd were going, we want the free kick. We want the free kick. And then we finally got the free kick and it was, everybody was up. But he was playing, he was giving us the advantage. On one of those occasions though, he gave Dan James the advantage when it was him against about eight Wolves players who were yeah. all surrounding him. And then he did lose the ball and you sort of looked at it and you think, well, what in, advantage, in yeah. what world yeah. is that advantage? He had no one to pass to and an absolute circle of Wolves players around Yeah, but him. you can't, and I don't ever want to defend a ref, but you know, in the heat of the moment, you see the Leeds players coming out of the situation with the ball. He's not forced to keep running down into the blind alley, is he? He could have checked back and given it and game could have continued. So you've, you not seen, you've not seen Dan James play, have well, you? This is it. Well, this He could have flicked the ball into the air and volleyed it into the net from 40 yards. <laughs> one, so. thing the ref, one thing the ref did annoy me on was that it was, I mentioned it in the um, propaganda show, was when the Wolves free kick on the edge of the box that they, they put over and it seemed to get the crowd going because there was a lot of annoyance. Jimenez stood by the, the right-hand side of our wall and the ref went over to him at one point and went, you can't stand there. And Jimenez just went, well, I am. Mm. And he went, oh, oh. Because the, uh, the rule okay. is you're not allowed to stand. It's one meter, isn't it? Is um, off the end of a wall. So mm. I think Jimenez was arguing. Well, I, I'm a meter away, and he sh- so he shuffled him about three centimeters. <laughs> and then he just turned his back and went back to the free kick. And Jimenez went back to where mm. he was. Yeah, it, it felt like he he was very much turning a blind eye to that. Mm. And then Jimenez did move when the free kick was taken. So maybe he'd said, "Oh, I'm going to move." Imagine it was it was a shite free kick. So meh. Um, Lee in the cheese does uh, wish ill on the referee Robert Jones. He says, "I hope every microwave meal he has has cold in the middle," which is a a dire punishment. It is worth noting that he refereed the Burnley game last season, says Lee, uh, where he disallowed their free kick goal for Mm. some reason. Maybe he was trying to balance the scales of crap refereeing. Mm, Possibly. Wisconsin side, I think, does make a a good point saying that how many unpunished and unreviewed hits do we have to take? Mm. Because you do look at a lot. Like the Dallas, the Dallas one um, at Burnley was ridiculous. Barnes Mm -hmm. was like kind of waist high on him and that didn't appear to to get looked at and then the, the Rafinha one there and then the one that well it didn't get looked at it got reviewed um, retrospectively by Jurgen Klopp was the, the Liverpool sending off yeah. so if it does and then the Dan James penalty it does feel like we've not had well, the, the, one, the one at Newcastle there was at least two on Dan James one on Gohart doesn't make up for all of it no I mean the, the one the Dan James one at Newcastle was ridiculous that was my creed wasn't it I think my your creed, creed. My, my creed yes, <laughs> my, I think my, 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 Frank Butcher yeah yeah, it's Frank <laughs> Radio One's Mike Reed. Yeah, that's what I meant. No, um, but it was Mike Riley. Matt, that's what I meant. Whoever it was, Peter Banks, I think, was the VAR for the Wolves game. If I'm right in thinking, and somebody pulled up some stats saying he's basically been very, very flip floppy about giving red cards. He's, he's been in, involved in some controversy this mm. season already. He's a bit back and forth. Like, yeah, he gave one that was rescinded and then didn't give one that should have been. And so I don't know. He seems a bit, a bit flaky. But then I guess that's just the rules are just a mess, aren't they? The whole thing is a mess. Shut down the Premier League, rubbish. Um, Wolves as a whole have been picked out by uh, loads of people. I mean, it's all basically for the same stuff as, mm. um, you know, Cheating. as we've already talked about, just the yeah, the general annoyance of that. And Connor Cody gets a few nominations as well. Sam M just says everything about him, which is a little bit harsh. There's, there are some preemptive nominations for Norwich, actually, for the upcoming game of Farker. Philip pulling out Farker. Because you know Norwich won't be so cataclysmically appalling next week against us. Fuck Farker, he says. Yeah, we should win that 8-0 and if we don't, then it's Farker's fault. I hope he takes it well, Daniel Farker. I'm sure we'll hear from him in the wake of that anyway, won't we? We've got uh, nominations for Bruno Large as well, the coach of Wolves. Mm. Uh, a complete lack of awareness in his post-match comments. So interesting, interesting post-match comments, which did beg a question about which game he was watching, because he said they were in control, didn't he? Do you need these? Do you need these, Bruno? Hey. <laughs> 
yeah, that it, it, very odd to have watched that game and come away with the, the conclusion that um, we were in control of the game in the last minutes. Mm. No, you aren't. The last minutes where we scored a penalty. It's, it's interesting contrasting that with the Wolves fans over on Propaganda who were all like, ah, yeah, you know, they were absolutely mullering us. Mm. <laughs> so mm. Mm, there's a certain amount of denial involved in that. Um, he's trying to stick up for his own tactics as well, isn't he? Because he's got, he knows he's got the Wolves fans not happy about how defensive they're going. So he's trying to manage that. So he ends up just talking absolute fantasist nonsense. Um, we have nominations for Richard's grandma, which I'm sure is a natural fit for this. You would have known this was coming. Uh, it was a 90th birthday party on Saturday. So happy birthday. On Rich. Saturday. Richard's grandma. Very selfish of her to schedule it for, for a Saturday. I so mean, she's already had 89. Why does she need one that clashes with the Leeds game? Well, anyway, uh, Richard was very resentful because he's nominated her for this. Yeah, because she's damn right. Missed the game. Uh, Not sure why she shouldn't have chosen the previous week to do that, he says. Fair point. And yeah. He was annoyed as well at LUTV for stupidly putting the final score in the heading of the video for the full match replay. I guess. Yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert. And, all to, that. and not many people do the the likely lads thing these days, do they? Mm, but in, enough, maybe enough people do. I would maybe leave the score out. In my no. past life, I once did a boo boo where I accidentally gave away some of the, just in case there are any kids listening, you know, the Tooth Fairy, some some of the Tooth Fairy secrets I gave away on, on air without meaning to. Yeah, got, we got angry complaints. <laughs> I, I was a hide a head full, of, the, head full the, of regrets. It's kind of the least important of the fictional characters, though, isn't it? You see, you've just done it yourself. Well, this is, this is if kids listen to this, Christ, they've got bigger issues than worrying about the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> the language, for one. You can't be, you can't be have kids talking about the fucking Tooth Fairy, can you? Because... Also, this is Yorkshire. All the kids have got very strong teeth. Um, Two sets of them. They never drop out. They just grow new ones. Dom with like the, sharks. Dom, Dom, teeth. Dom with the self-nomination. Had a dream that Ken Bates was doing co-commentary on the Leeds versus Arsenal Cup game. It was a horrible experience. What would that sound like? I've no idea what you, what Ken's just sorry, I was going to say you just said, but Ken just said, sorry. Something about the war. He... he, he he wouldn't be on board with them taking the knee, would he? And they, we did get that. Was the nice the nice photo from yesterday? Wasn't there? Ben White just gazing. Benjamin. Benjamin. Well, he's been nominated. Benjamin White just gazing, gazing at Calvin. lovingly at Calvin, wasn't it? It was nice. Feigning injury. Philip was annoyed at that. Uh, and his and his hair. Apparently, it was sickness. Mark right. um, Mikkel Arteta said afterwards that there's been a sickness bug going around, and he was feeling unwell. The little lamb, bless him. Is that what was in his hair? Sick in his hair, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's um, I don't think that looked good on him. Um, he's grow, he's trying to do a little Pascal Stroy beard as well, but that's not going to work with the kind of frosted tips that he was going with. Stroy, if he wants to look like Pascal Stroy, go the whole hog, get the slick back little he'll, he'll, Ben, man ben bun Benjamin White will be cycling round Islington on a penny farthing before you know it, won't he? That's what's happened. I don't, I don't think. Frosted tips are really a, a hipster move. He's not going to go with a, a, a wiry moustache. Just a fan of, of, of the boy band five. Yeah. yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. Number of nominations for our players. Inevitably. Just not. not let's not Cooper, entertain Blake, it. Cooper, Blake, Roberts, I mean, Cooper, Rodrigo, Rafinha. Rafinha. I mean, the Cooper <laughs> nominations have come. He, he is, as a spoiler alert, he is nominated as a hero for right. his Wolves performance. But then there are a couple of late nominations after last night. Adsham describes it as. Cooper, that header was very Cooperish. Yeah, it was very it was, badly. It was a Cooperism he did, yeah. mm, and Paul doesn't acknowledge it. Yeah, hero to villain in three days. So, um, so it's just to be clear, the Rafinha one is um, for not staying for down, not staying down <laughs> long enough uh, for something to be done about uh, size. It punished for your honesty. Um, who's having it? Is it Jimenez? Is it Wolves? Rodrigo gets a nomination as well. Oh. For the more we sympathise with him, the worse he seems to play when he's the villain. He plays out of his skin. Some tough love. So we need to pile the hatred on him. We yeah. need to uh, maybe start taunting him with corner flags because now we've discovered what he really doesn't like. Maybe just surround him with them and make him fight his way out of them. Paul Scholes got two nominations as well. Oh, for that perversion. From Wisconsin Todd and and Marvin for his, his fathering style. Right. Is what we'll call yes, it. Yes, rather than rather than going straight for perversion, <laughs> which may may uh, it's not a perversion. May just, result in some legal questions. It was just a bit of fun, wasn't it? Well, it didn't look like fun. I was jo- for the, for the record, <laughs> I was joking. It was it was a device for humour. Okay, right. Okay. What was he doing there? Pervert. Well, he appeared to be. <laughs> no, it's yes. not. I mean, we used to sing about Gary Neville and his brother, but 
we were on the wrong track where the incest was concerned. I haven't actually watched this um, the clip. It's just weird. It's just I'm aware of what it contains, which is, mm. is he biting his daughter's toenails? Mm. Yeah, not just get some nail clippers. They're easily accessible. They can afford them. He's got enough money, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it's not, not a difficult thing. I mean, if you don't want to go out, get them off Amazon. They'll deliver them to your house. Anyway, uh, who's your villain? Um, well, it's something out of Wolves, isn't it? So it's yeah. either him and as himself, or, and it's a toss-up between him and uh, Saez. Can we give him... Who was more? Who was more annoying? And who Jimenez was more, was more annoying? Definitely should share it. Says was just a. It was just a really badly timed tackle. Mm. Rafinha tricked him. Is what happened there. Says also, I've remembered he made uh, slight mugs of us, me in particular, because I thought he'd already been booked before that happened, and he didn't get a booking for this. I knew he'd been booked, and then I realised later that he was booked for this handball. So whatever I was seeing in the match ball, discard um, it. <laughs> which should be just the rule anyway. Um, Jimenez. Okay. All there right. There you go. Fair enough. And right. Not, uh, although um, we didn't mention, um, and perhaps we should, Luke, who uh, specified the doctor who fixed his score should uh, have some uh, residuary, residuary? <laughs> residual guilt for making him able to play football again. Um, and Happy to have saved his life, he was a seven for size. It's not on the sheet. But we didn't want him to be uh, back in the team. It's not on the sheet, but I know this to be true. Um Another reason to give him the villainy award is because Jimenez bites uh, the toenails of Rich's grandma. It's true. Right. Let's move on if to... If you are uh, Rich's grandma, Levi's solicitors will uh, help you take action over that uh, discoverless slander. The Gitano Barardi Hero of the Week award, then. Um, to round out the show for this week, then nominations, please, for good people. Galhart gets loads because he's good. Yeah. Although he, he didn't receive a villain nomination for not scoring against Arsenal, which was if we're going to give it, if we're going to do it for Cooper, we should probably do it for Gellhart too, because mm. it's not good enough that he didn't score. He had that chance, didn't he? Blazed it wide, which he did kind of create himself. Um, yeah. no, notably, um, knowledgeable man Martin Keown described him as messy like, didn't he? On, uh, on well, match I of the mean, day, Martin Keown. I mean, a lot's been made of him making that comparison. Martin Keown knows like three footballers, <laughs> so if you ask him to compare. Gelhart to a good player he can't think of another one so he's just gone straight for Messi I think there's probably there's a range of footballers in between who who could be brought up there but I I can see the comparison I just don't put any truck or water in what Martin Keown says or thinks because I think it's just it's like pulling a penny out of a bucket I, th- I will say actually I thought watching back his, his runs into the box it reminded me a little bit more of Suarez in that way that he he just sort of runs through people and in sometimes they get touches on it, but somehow the ball stays at his feet and then he wins a penalty. You know, he reminded me of Max Gradle for that as well, where you could never quite work out how he'd beaten a player, but suddenly he was on the other side of him. He seemed to have just gone through. And that quite, one where he danced through as well was just remarkable. And it's kind of funny as well because those touch maps that were going around Twitter afterwards and the stat that he's had more touches in the penalty area of any player in the Premier League, there is like there's basically two dribbles of a count. Mm. That it's kind of it's a great um way of showing up the floor statistics because a lot of those touches is kind of when he had the ball from the corner and it's just like touch, 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 touch. There, he's had 25 <laughs> touches in the box today. Amazing. He was brilliant exposure. And I think it gets um, underrated. We tried to play off a little bit in the match ball of like the shot that he had that was tipped over was a really good shot and a really good save. It was kind of one of those where everybody's done everything right, but it was a great effort. And that was the thing that seemed to spark him into life and make him um, make him the player that we've seen in the under-23s. More power to his little uh, scouse elbow. Um, as the song Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves goes, just pulled the lyrics up, behind every great man there had to be a great woman and that woman is Lynn Gelhart. Yes, she does receive a nomination for bringing him into our, into our world, not the world, our world. Yes, Joffy's mum. Uh, and also Wigan for going into admin which does actually mm. kind of go into... Um, Matty Fletcher, he doesn't, I don't think he knew who he was nominating here necessarily, but whoever let Joffe come to Leeds from Wigan last season, um, and it was Gerald Krasner who, yeah. who did that because he was in charge of the admin there and flogging off all their stuff on the cheap. Mm. So He did hold firm over uh, McGurk though, didn't we? We had to wait a year for little McGurker and we got him, and, uh, got him this summer. Once bumped into Gerald Krasner, rounding a street corner in Newcastle. How did it look? Like Gerald Krasner. Terrifying. Yeah. In my brain, I went, it's Gerald Krasner. And that was it. 
Okay, cool story, look. Thanks. Yeah, glad, glad you enjoyed. Uh, happy to do it again if with, you want. Um, with, with Gellhart, just to, I feel like it needs mentioning, and mentioning his mum. I know she calls him Joffy. I'm not sure about Joffy. It feels weird calling him Joffy. Mm. And imagine when he's like... It's, 30, a, it's a bit gappier, isn't it? Imagine if he's like 35 having to call him Joffy. It's going to be weird then. The other side to that is to do what Ben White started doing, where he's doing interviews and asking to be called Benjamin. So then calling him Joffrey then. I don't know if and Joe is kind of. I mean, do we go for Joseph? Do we go all the way back the other way? Joffy, he's. I mean, don't worry about when he's thirty-five and when he's manager of Leeds. Is Joffy Gelhart winning the Joffington Gelhart? We can. We'll deal with that. Future us can can solve the Joffy problem. He looks like a Joffy. He plays like a Joffy. He is Joffy. Joffy is who he is. Joffy is what he does. So, <laughs> Joffy is a state of mind. Joffy is a yeah. It's great. Um, Joffy is as Joffy does. We've got so many on here. I completely lost. And you're going to argue with his mum about what the child is called. <laughs> well, she can call him you know, whatever she wants, but mm. she she gave birth to him and, and dealt with him as a small did she, boy. So. Did, your, did your mum have a nickname for you, or did she? No, bastard. Oi. <laughs> no, she's nice to me, mum. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, she's always been always been very good to me. Yeah, always as David Beckham said, they've been ever since I was eight or nine. My parents have always been been there for me. <laughs> Well done, well done, Mrs. Normanton. Uh, excellent. <laughs> Rodrigo gets some nominations. Didn't bottle his penalty, did he? No. And a uh, good celebration as well. And um, took the responsibility, which I don't think, I'm sure his parents believed in him as he was stepping up for that penalty. But um, yeah, I think confidence was um, in short supply when he uh, stood up. And he, it was a great penalty and a, a great moment all round so do that more often some uh, nominations for Drammy based on the Arsenal performance obviously it was his debut so good on him for uh, for breaking into the team albeit through a devastating injury crisis but you know you've got to take your chance when it comes haven't you and all that and I thought he did really well I thought he did well and I think it is sometimes I think Bielsa does need to be forced to look at these players because it felt a bit like with Cresswell when he saw him and he was like oh okay maybe, maybe I will consider him as a first team player in the future and someone we can use and maybe Gelhart and Cody Drama have put themselves in that bracket in the past week as well where he might look at them and think, well, if there's no Shackleton, maybe I don't need to move Dallas and piss around with that setup. We can just we can just play a right back at right back and maybe it'll be okay. I mean Cooper's been nominated, but you know, header and all that. As we were saying. It doesn't undo all the good he ever did. He was very good against Wolves and against a player who I think that's what's maybe frustrating about the Arsenal thing afterwards is you'd think he could confidently deal with that header against Arsenal and it would be fine, whereas all the fear was, what's he going to do against Traore? Against Traore, yeah. he was absolutely magnificent. Adelaide Sam, sniff. Liam Kitchen Roll Cooper for soaking up the grease all day long. There we go, that's very good. Like <laughs> and that. then that happens against Arsenal. It's, well, it's, like, it's like Melier's been given a, a nomination by Ryan for um, his sexy Cruyff turn uh, mm. against Jimenez, but then he's put his feet behind the line and undone his hard work. No one's really criticised him for it, have they? Because I think it's... It's one of those where you go, well... It's just a fractional thing, though, isn't it? It's he's like, in credit Why would in you general. criticise Melier when yeah. Tyler Roberts is right there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is Roberts on the list? He's not been given a hero nomination. Strange that. I don't know. No. He, um, got a, he did get a villain nomination. We mentioned it. He got it for the usual. So it's fine. The crowd uh, got a number of nominations. Paul Lee, Toby, Ad, Adsham, I'm sorry. Um, Lorne, Dom, Chris, Gillian and Wayne all um, saying the crowd was awesome for, for dragging us through the second half, as Lorne puts it. It was weird because that was a draw against Wolves, which wasn't the finest result we've had in the last couple of seasons. But the ones when we weren't there, eh, it wasn't as good, was it? Mm-hmm. It just, it just, it gives you, it gives it longevity in your mind being at a game. I think, yeah. but often when you watch it on TV, it's easy to just go home afterwards. If from, even if you watched it in like a, a crowd situation, like in a pub or something, you sort of switch off from it a bit. Whereas that that game and the crowd and the whole experience of it, it just spins around your head for a day or two afterwards I said that the other week when was it I can't remember which game it was it might have been the Southampton game um, when I was wallowing in a pit of misery or whatever that the Premier League as a TV programme is shite I only enjoy the Premier League when I'm there because it's something I recognise and something I've known for years and it's stripped you know, it's stripped away of all the corporate bullshit and the punditry and all that sort of stuff when you're in a stadium alright you've got to stand there and enjoy the Premier League anthem but you, they don't play it loud enough and that's good they should st- stick with that that's why securing Premier League safety at home in our last fixture of the season was going to be... Shut up. 
it's going to be a real fine moment and then we can celebrate. We're away <laughs> in the last, the very last one, aren't we? So we'll just, that can be a, a celebration. But um, again, we heard from the Wolves fans picking us out on um, over on Propaganda for how, how good it was. It feels to me like out of all the nominations there, if it's not Joffe, it's got to be the crowd. We should mention Rafinha got nominated as well, having given his uh, his villainy. Too honest, that wasn't it? Too honest. But um, Joe Argybargy and Andy Mouthouse point out that basically he was um, running the show in the first half and uh, gave his boots to a yeah, fan in the East is. stand after warming up. And uh, yes, this is Andy Mouthouse said, than terrorising wolves until he got assassinated. Mm. Which there was, you know, when I was trying to say before about Says with his sneaky tackle, it was it was a very bad challenge on what was conspicuously our best and most dangerous player. So, but yeah, he was great. Who's it for you then? Go on. I think it has to be uh, young Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who you mean. Who? Joseph Gelhart. Don't know who that is. Is that a Leeds player? Uh, son of Lynn. You mean Joffy? That's the one. Oh yeah, I'll give it to Joffy. Joffy and uh, it's a bit of a shame in his debut that Drama and Joffe they can't share it, but Joffy and Drama could uh, could have a joint one. But Drama didn't win any penalties, whereas Joffe did. Not tempted to give it to Gerald Krasner. Jere. Gerald doesn't want it. No. Okay. Uh, that will Joe Gelhart. Congratulations. Um, great impact on the first team, and now obviously of more importance, this fictional award on a podcast. So well done, Joe. And by extension, Lynn, too. Uh, that does wrap things up <laughs> for, for this episode. Um, thanks for joining us. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.